Hello and welcome to the Game Devastation Podcast. My name is Stefan Frost. Today I am joined by one Michael Mann, uh, System Design Lead over at Daybreak Studios. Is that the correct title for you, sir? Yeah, yeah. Usually I do the other way around. I'm the lead system designer, but you know, either way works. Okay, well, pointing out my flaws already and it's not even a minute <laughs> in. So My, my bad. Thanks. My bad. Thanks, man. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So what do you exactly do as a lead systems designer and not a systems design lead? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Well, I've never had the pleasure of having both roles. Uh, but what, what I do now is, uh, I sort of foster an environment for our designers, uh, when creating systems. And so that, that sounds kind of vague. Um, but I, I do a bit of management, uh, you know, tasking and all that sort of stuff. And that's, that end is sort of boring, but the cool part is uh, kind of determining the design or the direction for designs um, for things like combat and crafting and, and harvesting and stuff like that. And then, you know, figuring out where where we want to start conversations about how particular mechanics should work, um, you know, coming up with with the goals and the direction, you know, hey, what what style of combat do we want to do? You know, does this does this idea fit in within our goals and, and writing overviews and then, um, you know, helping to enable our systems designers uh, to really create awesome systems. And so uh, that's that's most of the stuff I do uh, that and, uh, you know, joke around and, and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Those are the important things. So yeah, exactly. uh, can you define like what does a system designer do as opposed to, say, like a content designer or a level designer? Like wh- what does system design actually mean? Yeah. So I actually think it, it really depends on kind of the genre you're working on, because I know a lot of other uh, genres. So I work mostly in MMOs. Uh, a lot of other genres, people uh, kind of fulfill you know, cross, uh, uh, not department, but, you know, cross expertise, uh, things and anyway, but what a systems designer does for MMOs is they will often, they kind of bridge the gap between an idea and the technical implementation of getting that idea in and kind of do a lot of communicating with, with code. Um, Hey, we have this really cool idea for how somebody's going to swing their sword. Well, you know, there are a lot of variables and a lot of, uh, of ramifications of, you know, specific design ideas. Um, and when those are communi- communicated to a coder and, and potentially the rest of the team, uh, you know, the, the systems designer has to make sure that it's very clear, um, you know, what is needed. They often will, um, uh, you know, get get code back or get art back or whatever it is. Um, they, well, they should be working with the coder and artist along the way. Um, you know, but they'll often get the, get the assets back and they will tweak and tune and they'll polish and balance and, you know, uh, discuss more, uh, or iterate more with the artists and, and the coders to make sure that what is actually in the game is true to the, the vision or the, you know, the, the core focus of what the game is. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Cool. Um, so uh, I also wanted to talk a little bit. One of the big things on the show I like to talk about is mm-hmm. uh, how to get your start sort of in the industry if you're sure. you're, if you're not a designer yet, but you mm-hmm. want to be. Um, so how did you get your start? And then after that, how would you recommend somebody actually get started in the industry? Yeah, sure. So uh, my start was actually kind of interesting. Uh, I, I started in the industry about, it was about 10 years ago. 
Uh, and I was going to school. I was a computer science major or a business major or something like that. I've had like 15 majors in college, but, uh, you know, going to school and I got a phone call from my brother-in-law and he's like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I make, I make video games. You can make video games too. Uh, what, what do you think? You know, why don't you come in and interview for a, a, an associate design position on uh, Vanguard saga of heroes. And I was like, well, you know, that sounds really cool. And I would be super interested in doing that. Uh, but I've, I don't have any experience. And he's like, well, you know, it's all right. It's, it's, it's essentially a starter position, right? Like, you know, associate designers get in, they, they learn tools, they implement things and stuff like that. And so don't worry. Right. I was like, all right, but I'm going to worry anyway. Uh, anyway, so I, I <laughs> like you do. Yeah. I'm like, thanks for the information. Uh, but, uh, I'm super stressed out. So anyway, I, you know, I went, went down and, and interviewed and it was, it was pretty crazy. Uh, there were a substantial number of, uh, you know, senior designers in there, which a senior designer usually has around, you know, anywhere from four to, you know, four plus years of experience. And in this case, it was a lot of people that had, you know, like six plus years and had worked on the original EverQuest and, and, and stuff like that. Cause remember this was, this was 10, 10 years ago. Um, interviewed and, and, you know, did a bunch of stuff and, and finally it happened. Uh, but the, the core things, uh, that I think a, a person should do to get into game design. Um, first it's, it's going to sound real obvious, but you got to play a lot of video games. Um, and you, you can't just play video games and expect to understand how they work. You have to actually work at analyzing them, right. And say, Hey, why, why would a game designer put this in? Why do I like this game? You know, one of my favorite questions when interviewing people is, you know, Hey, uh, you like this game. Cause they often mention you get to talking and, and you're like, well, well, why, you know, like what, what makes you log back into wow? What makes you want to play dark souls? What makes you, you know, and often you'll get answers like it's fun. And that's kind of a, a red flag that you're like, all right, well, yeah, it's fun. That's cool. But what is, what is driving you? Because as a game designer, you have to think about, you know, what, what specifically makes something fun? Uh, you know, how, how do you get people interested? How do you get people not hooked, but entertained? Right. And so, um, that would be the first thing is, is, you know, analyzing the games that you like and figuring out what makes them tick. Right. Uh, the next thing is probably, uh, try and make something, you know, anything really it's, there are so many tools out there, uh, you know, at this day and age that it, it's, it's fairly easy to go and, you know, uh, pick up the, the, uh, you know, the latest unreal or unity or whatever it is. Um, and just try your hand, make a mod, make, um, you know, I, I there was, I forgot what it was. I was playing around with, uh, an engine that was like, it was for 2d side scrollers, uh, web, web-based 2d side scrollers. It was like 20 bucks, but it really allowed you to, make a cool 2d side scroller. And, you know, I made one, uh, or started making one with my brother. Uh, and you know, that, that, that sort of stuff is, is really good to get into. If you can show somebody that, Hey, look, I made this, that goes a really long way. Um, and then, uh, it, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to, you know, to know someone. <laughs> uh, I think the yeah. moral of your getting in was <laughs> that you knew a dude and that I really know, exactly. helped out. And mm-hmm. it probably helped that you probably played video games and knew stuff about it too. Sure. Right? I mean, it, it yep. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of got lucky in that, right? But yeah, I think that cause there's been times where, uh, you know, we've, we've had to turn down people in, in various jobs that I've worked at where mm-hmm. 
they'll they'll be like, hey, my brother-in-law really wants this job, and it's like, okay, well, you know, does your brother-in-law play many games? Or oh yeah, no, he'll he'll play games, and you start talking to him, and it's there's a difference between like playing a game and being a fan of it. And then there's a difference between like analyzing it and understanding it. Like I even remember as like a kid, you know, understanding what trigger volumes were, Mm -hmm. you know, very early on. Cause I'm like, well, every time I cross this line, something happens. So obviously somebody is setting something up to make these guys spawn in and do all this stuff. Oh, exactly. Cause I mean, before, before working in an industry, it, it's sort of like, oh man, making, making video games is all magic, right? Uh, and then, you know, you, you, you got to look at it and, and be able to analyze stuff. And then not just the underpinnings of how one might function, but also the philosophies behind it, the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And then even beyond that, uh, you know, once, once you, you get your footings in how, how they function and, and why people would want to play them, oftentimes you have to deal with how to manage a team, how to deal with the resources you have at hand, you know, I, I, time crunches, uh, you know, discussing, communicating with, with uh, other departments or within your own department and then communicating with executives. And I mean, it, it's, it's really a, a very interesting industry to be in, right? Like you, you just, it's, it's different every day. So it's, it's communication skills are also very important. Yes. Uh, I would agree as a producer. Um, yeah, so, Next question for you, good sir, um, okay. is we're going to get sort of more into like the, the system design end of things because mm-hmm. that's your, your main focus. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about like balance and sure. um, working on balance is like is a huge thing for system designers, especially in something like MMOs. Uh-huh. So if you're talking about something like XP, we'll, t- mm-hmm. we'll start out with it with that. How do you even start? Like where where's the point where you're saying, OK, we need to make sure that we have XP across this entire PVE system. Mm-hmm. Where do you even start with that? So it's it's actually interesting that you that you start with XP, right? Because it you have to you have to start and, and at the why why do you want XP? Why like what is what does XP do for the player, right? And it sounds uh, it sounds a little ridiculous, but you know you start at start start at the beginning, right? So people get XP so that they can progress, right? They get, people like progressing, they feel like they achieve something, they can grow. Uh, and, you know, you, you start really pulling out all of the different reasons uh, why, why you would want something. Uh, and then from there, uh, you, you say, all right, well, how can we best make, you know, if, you're, if your goals are we want people to feel progression, we want them to feel achievement, right, and, and growth, well, where are the best places to put that? You know, what what sort of activities do we think are going to be the most fun? Because don't don't forget, XP is also a reward, and and you want to, when creating an MMO or something like that, you want to add rewards to activities that you want people doing, right? Um, that makes sense. If you you know, I I, I tell my kids, hey, uh, if you do this thing for me, uh, you know, I'll 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 give you a high five, or you'll get allowance, or you know, they they work for high fives a lot when they're young, but. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, when I started in game design, I worked for high fives too. So, right. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but you, you look at your goals and then you say, Hey, cool. People want to feel growth. How can they feel growth? Well, we want to push people towards dungeons because our game has really awesome dungeons. So you say, all right, well, you know, let's, let's make dungeons have better XP. Let's, we want people to be socially connected. So Dungeons are a great place to have people socially connected. So we'll offer an XP bonus when people group up and do a dungeon, right? Uh, and so, you know, that, that's sort of a, a little bit of how 
how you would use it as a, like how you would start the conversation as far as balance goes with XP. Um, I think for the most part, uh, you know, you get a lot of people that really, really worry about balance. Um, I think balance is important, but I don't think it's as important as a lot of people say. I mean, you don't, you don't want to get your balance, uh, you know, for XP or anything like that to be like degenerate, you know, and be like, Hey, if you go, you know, kill that mob, you know, over and over and respawn. And, you know, that's the best way to level up by, you know, 3000%. Um, but really the idea is that you want to, you want to put the XP where you want people to, to be. And then, um, make sure that nothing is is too out of control, that your rewards are commensurate with how badly you want them to do it. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's that's kind of the view on, on XP balance. Um, but it, it has a lot to do with, you know, meeting meeting the goals that you set for a particular system. Uh, hey, we want we want classes, for instance, to all feel balanced, like one is not more powerful than the other. Um, well, that's a surprisingly difficult problem to solve, um, you know, but balance is important in that area. Why? Well, it's important because we don't, we want diversity, right? And so if everybody just plays one guy because he's OP, that's not, that's not a, you know, a, a, a good landscape for, for classes. Uh, and so, you know, you have to look at that and, and it, it's just how, how you deal with it would be different than how you deal with XP, but really it's called balance for a reason, right? You want to kind of make sure it's even or it's at, at the very least distributed properly. Right. So let's talk about the differences between those two. So if you're, if you're going into classes and you're doing balancing, how do you, how do you find the discrepancies? Because you, you, you will take what you think is a proper balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you even get, let's talk about that. How do you get to yeah. that point? How do you say like, okay, we've got six classes or eight classes or however many classes you have. Mm-hmm. How do you balance them against each other? And especially in an MMO where there's things like dungeons and PVP and, you know, sure. all these PVE and all this other stuff. How do you guys or you specifically mm-hmm. look at that stuff and say like, this is how we're going to balance these things? Yeah. So it's actually, it's actually a super interesting, uh, I think it's super interesting, but I, I, I like spreadsheets. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt, but, uh, <laughs> um, it sort of depends how, uh, let me think. So if, if you're, if you're looking to balance classes, um, you, you much like putting XP on stuff that you want people to do, you have to put the power in things that you want people to be doing, if that makes sense, right? So if you go and you say, hey, uh, the warrior, for instance, just the hypothetical warrior, this guy, whenever he deals damage, he gets, you know, bloodlust and he heals himself, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of, he's a berserker, maybe we'll say. Um, that's pretty cool. And, you know, that, that sounds like kind of a fun mechanic and one that would really reinforce the berserker to be attacking things and, and allow him to take damage. But what happens if he heals himself so well that the cleric is no longer needed, right? Like that's a, that's a, that's a balanced thing that could happen. Well, what happened there is that the, the power or what you're trying to encourage somebody to do is not, is not appropriated to the, the right spot, right? Like you, you want the cleric to have a role. You want him to have a position in the, um, you know, in, in essentially in the metagame of your classes, uh, and so you'd have to look and say, all right, well, you know, maybe the berserker's a little OP in this situation. Um, we really do want him to survive under low health situations. We want him to do damage. Maybe there's something we can give him that solves that. But at the same time, 
doesn't heal him or doesn't remove something, you know, a, a special thing from another class. Um, and so it's actually kind of an interesting problem that we, you know, we, we've been working on, um, for, for next, right. Because we, we are talking about making, uh, you know, a bunch of classes and, and not a lot of leveling and stuff like that, but we're mostly talking about a, a concept of horizontal progression, which is fairly familiar to like FPS people and, 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 um, fighting games and stuff like that, or League of Legends, um, that, hey, you get, you get a guy or a class or whatever, and, and they, they all fulfill unique uh, niches, and they don't stomp on each other's toes too much. And so um, I guess it's, it's you know, approaching it as, hey, where, who do you want doing what? And if they aren't doing that, how can you fix it? Uh, and then uh, just as far as picking a starting ground, it would be, uh, you have to make standards, right? Like you do projections, you say, hey, how quickly do we want things to die? How many, how many decision points in a combat do we, do we want to have? Uh, you know, that, that's important because you say, hey, if I want somebody to die in 15 seconds and you say, I want him to be able to make 15 decisions, well, obviously a decision being a heal, attack, a move, whatever it is, that's going to be doing something every one second, right? So that's kind of determining pace. But then you would have to say, all right, well, how many of those decisions should be an attack? And, you know, that will start to, to determine how many mistakes a player can make or how many times he can be hit or how quickly he is able to actually kill something. Um, and then beyond that, you would, you would start to differentiate. Um, you would start to break from the norm, right? So you say, hey, I want him to die in 15 seconds. Well, that maybe that's a standard guy and, and a cleric who doesn't do a lot of DPS hypothetically, you know, might kill him in, in 20 seconds and a rogue might kill him in 10 seconds. Well, you know, does that sound good? Does that allow, you know, enough diversity between maybe the highest DPS and the lowest DPS? Does it, you know, and you have to ask yourself a lot of questions as far as what you're, what you're really shooting for. Um, you know, if, if a rogue kills something twice as fast as a cleric, does the rogue feel like he is performing his job as a, as the, the, you know, the ultimate DPSer? Um, and, you know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And you have to kind of compare, compare it to, you know, all the other things you're trying to do. Does that make sense? No. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Sense. <laughs> uh, so, okay. There, there's a lot of like, uh, metagame thinking when you're, when you're looking at these things, right? There's uh -huh. the individual of how this, this class behaves. And then also the overall picture of how we want this class to behave with other classes. Mm -hmm. Um, so you, you've got that point and you're like, okay, cool. We've got all our classes in here. We think this is feeling good. You put it out. Right. And then people play it. And ultimately there's going to be players that figure out like, Hey guys, I figured out that if you do X, Y, and Z, I will mm -hmm. totally destroy every other class by yeah, doing don't, these don't do that. That's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't do it. But, that's, but no, people, that's how I solve it. I yeah, that's just <laughs> just tell people to be nice and not do that. I just then, tweet it. Yeah, I'm like, please, please, just not don't do that anymore. IRL bros, please don't do this. Uh, <laughs> so do, do me a solid. Yeah, do me a favor, please. Uh, so okay, they they figure out what this problem is, and mm -hmm. how do you guys then? figure out like how are we going to address this how are we going to is it like social media is it mm -hmm. forums is it metrics is it like what what is it that you guys kind of say like okay we found the issue here and then how do you fix it well it de it depends on what the problem is right like there's there there are kind of all of the above depending on the problem right like 
if if we go out and we say, hey, this, you know, we play and all of our metrics come back that everybody has roughly the DPS we want. And then there are people that are like, you know, a problem is uh, the rogue in the community's opinion is not the, the, the uh, you know, how far above he is, is not acceptable. You don't feel like a rogue because you, you know, you're not coming out and backstabbing and burning a guy down in three seconds. Um, it, it sort of becomes not a debate, but it, that's, that's sort of a, a discussion that needs to be had. And often it's had on, on forums or Twitter, generally not Twitter, um, because that's sort of a, not, it's not one way, but it's not as good as a, a, as a forum like Reddit or something like that, where you can go on and, and really get people involved and ask questions and answer them and have tweet, you know, have, have conversations of longer, longer than 144, uh, characters. But, uh, so a lot of opinion stuff will be done, uh, you know, through, through forums and stuff like that. That's not to say that balance issues or bugs or anything aren't brought up on forums, but I wouldn't usually, um, approach the forums and say, Hey, I, I heard you guys found a bug. How do you think we should fix it? Right. But I would approach the forums and say, Hey, you know, I've heard from the rogue people that you guys feel, you know, like you don't do enough damage or like you don't feel like rogues. And sometimes, um, sometimes the problems aren't always, or you'll find that the problems aren't always what people think they are. Um, it may be something else, right? Like, Oh, it doesn't feel like the rogue is a rogue. Maybe not because his DPS isn't high enough, but because his initial backstab isn't awesome enough. And, and pretty much everybody thinks that rogues need backstabs. Right. And so finding out those sorts of things are really good for you know, going to the forums and stuff is really good for finding out that kind of stuff. If there is a, a bug that something is just broken, obviously, um, whatever channel that those can be given to us uh, is fantastic. Um, but if there's a metric thing where you say, hey, it looks like the rogue when wearing, you know, the, the double daggers of doom, he is killing everything in one and a half seconds and he's supposed to be 10 seconds. Well, it depends. It very much depends on kind of the situation. Um, but often you can kind of narrow down the factors of what really is causing the problem and then look and see, well, it does, it appears that the double daggers of doom are OP. Why, what, why were they initially created? Well, they were, maybe they were initially created for a giant burst of DPS right off the bat. They were awesome backstab daggers. But it just so happens that they almost kill things, right? Well, you do have to nerf them sometimes. Or sometimes you can you can add a restriction or you can, um, you know, figure out an, a, another more interesting solution to your problem where you say, hey, you know, it, it is much more difficult to pull off the maneuver with these daggers or, or whatever it is, something maybe a little more creative than, than what I just came up with off the spot. But, um, you know, we, we will often take concerns like that and take it to the team and be like, Hey guys, you know, we, we heard, or we have proven with, with metrics that this stuff is just totally OP. It's totally broken. Where, where, you know, do you remember what we were talking about when we initially created them? What was the purpose and how can we reach that purpose maybe in a different way than we already have? Um, you know, it, it, you see it, you see that sort of stuff happen a lot in, uh, in MMO design and stuff like that. They say, kind of like I mentioned earlier, right? Like the berserker heals when, when he deals damage. Well, that's, that's really cool and it's flavorful, but maybe he should get a temporary shield or temporary hit points, or he should, you know, when he's low hit points, uh, every time he does damage, he heals instead of healing all the time. I mean, you know, what, what maintains the flavor and the gameplay patterns 
um, while not being totally OP and, and stuff like that. Um, and things not being overpowered is, is, is very important for, for many reasons. And I don't, I don't know if you want to go into those, but there are, you know, there's a lot of reasons. And so, well, I think that's, that's the interesting and fun part of being a systems designer in general. It's mm-hmm. kind of, is you, you find out there's a lot of problems and it's how you come at those problems, uh, that, that makes you, I think an interesting or good system designer mm-hmm. because you can do it. I think there's multiple ways to come at everything that you were just talking about. There's, you know, if, if it's the, uh, if it's the rogue not feeling powerful enough, it's like, okay, well, is it the initial backstab that needs to happen? Or is it something that, you know, it's, you combine the three abilities and then it's, that's what does it. And people aren't getting those abilities at first and say, it's just all these different ways that you can come at it. Yeah. That I find the really interesting and fun stuff. And that you can see that on games where mm-hmm. people get creative with stuff. Even, I can't remember what the, the use case for rest XP was originally. I think mm-hmm. it was people were playing the game too much and they were going to put a negative effect on people when they were playing the game too much yeah. and people were like oh we hate this and so they're like okay well how about we will give you a bonus to xp if you don't play the game for a long period of time yeah so, which is sort of an interesting concept i mean you know we've we've lots of times discussed well what if we didn't have a death penalty what if we had a living bonus right like the longer hey the longer you stay alive the bigger your your bonus becomes or, or something like that right and and so you know there are there are lots of ways to to solve problems and figuring out what you really want to do or maybe what the real problem is um is is a very interesting process and it's i mean it's different every time it's one yet again one of the other things that makes being a system designer interesting and fun you know you, you get to you get to figure that out um and i love puzzles so Right. And it, I think there's a this misconception that system designers just have to know math and be really good at Excel. And then that's about yeah. it. I, I think mean, we, we often, uh, you know, enjoy some uh, some spreadsheets, but <laughs> everybody loves conditional formatting. Don't get me wrong. No, no exactly. But but the thing is, I think part of that is is also understanding how to fix those problems so that it's not just putting the numbers in to make it feel good. Mm-hmm. So uh, another thing I kind of wanted to talk about, too, was um, feel versus balance. So. There's some games uh, where you can play the game and they have a linear progression, right? It's we know exactly when these things are going to happen because the numbers say this is when it's going to happen. And then there's some stuff where it's just like, okay, well, we just put in a lot more XP on this one thing because we wanted it to feel really good in this area and Mm -hmm. have it be more spiky. Uh, What do you think is the optimal way to kind of progress with that sort of thing? So it's... um... I think it's it's a little bit of both, and also it's it's sort of a hard question to answer because it, it really is different in depending on what you're trying to do, right? So a lot of times people have this thought in their head that they're like, "Hey, this there there is there is a truth out there. There there is a right answer, right?" And and sometimes that's true, but sometimes most of the time I would say is there's there's lots of right answers, and it's sort of picking the one that you want. Um, Oh, I just, I just blanked. Is that amazing? I, I, I like stopped and I was like, wait a minute, where was I going? And then gone, gone. It's just, wow. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It just, it just went. Could you repeat the last part? So yeah. Cool. So <laughs> really it was you like that. Yeah, yeah I did. Gone. That was well done. You know, it was, it was like a startling blank too. No, it, it was, was. You were just yeah. like, it's like you sneezed and it was gone, but you didn't sneeze. That yeah, was the yeah, uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's an early onset something. I don't know. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> a little tired. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. Uh, wh- what I was getting at, moreover, yeah. was like, do you think that there's a uh, a proper way to kind of do uh, a balancing experience on something? Does it need to be sort of a numeric, you know, equation uh, of progression, or can it be something to where you're kind of saying like, well, I feel like it should be like this. You know, I'm just going to set these things and not stick to a, a number, and I'm just going to base it off of feel. Right. So. So it, it sort of depends on the personality of the person doing it, because honestly, a lot of what happens is there, there are so many variables in making a game that, that whatever you put in there first is almost certainly going to be wrong. Um, and so what game design ends up being a lot of times is iteration. So you say, hey, I'm going to put something in. I think this is going to be right. I surely forgot something. Um, and when I put it in, I play it and I analyze it. I will figure out what that thing is and I will be able to, you know, adjust the system or, or whatever it is towards what I, what I really wanted to do with it in the first place. And so you can kind of see where, you know, where I was talking about earlier about being able to play games and analyze them becomes important, right? Because you say, Hey, it would be pretty silly if I made a game and I, I did stuff and then I never tried it. I never tried it out. Right. You say, all right, well, I, I put a bunch of XP on that area. That's definitely going to make people go there. And then you find out that there's an area somewhere else that has more XP or you, people don't want XP, right? They don't care about that. They're all max level or, or whatever it is, right? Like there, there's so many different things that could happen. Or even if it has tons of XP, it's not fun. There's no no loot there. There's, you know, there's all sorts of things that could cause a problem. And so back to kind of back to the original point, um, it depends on the person. And, and, and personally, I, uh, depending on the system, will do it based on feel or based on numbers. Um, there are certain things I like to do with numbers like damage, um, progression, economy, stuff like that, that will often start in a spreadsheet and end with the feels, right? You'll be like, ah, how does that, yeah, that, that feels right. Like, I feel like I have enough sinks, enough faucets, et cetera. And, and, you know, that's, that's really good. But in, in the case of economy, you actually never really know until you put it live and people are playing it. Like you can do projections and stuff like that. Um, but you can't, you can't be everywhere at once. Right. And so, uh, I think it just depends on the person and potentially the system that they're working on, if they're going to start with, with feeling or with, with numbers. Um, but whenever you start with feeling, I, I don't think it's a good idea just to be like, do a gut check and throw it in. Right. Like, I think it's good to, uh, you know, f- uh, base your decisions off of off of as much fact as you can, and then perform you know a, a gut check afterwards uh, and say, hey, you know that that feels good. I, I think that's correct. Um, so. Right. Okay. Very awesome. So uh, another question I, w- I wanted to lean more towards uh, some different systems. We've been talking about combat and XP a bit. Um, so yeah. I wanted to talk to you about trade skills. So um, how do you think you can create uh, trade skill outputs? that feel useful to an economy? Wow. Um, that's a very interesting question. Bam. So, that was a yeah, big one. Boom. Yeah. You're like, you're like, Hey, uh, do you like video games? And I'm like, yeah, I love video games. And then you're like, boom, how do you make, you know, economic outputs and all that? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I wasn't I just, ready. I just threw the knowledge <laughs> grenade at you, son. You did. You did. That's amazing. Uh, so that's very interesting because I think that there are a lot of, there are a lot of different people that want a lot of different things out of trade skills. Um, and it sort of depends what role you want trade skills to play in your game. Uh, if you're, if you're making a game for, uh, you know, people that really love to craft 
and really love to, you know, feel that crafting needs to be the foundation of your economy and, and stuff like that, which, uh, you know, I think is a very viable approach. Um, you're going to have to work at it differently than you would a game where people mostly want to kill stuff. They mostly want to go out and, you know, crafting is, is in, in that situation, maybe something they do on the side. So if you look at, um, wow, for instance, right. You say, Hey, wow. Uh, people, at least I won't speak for everybody, but when I played, uh, it was very much, I would go out and kill stuff and I would get loot and then go back and craft something because I had to, right. I'd be like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta skill up my, um, you know, my trade skills so that I can get my, uh, you know, pant patches or my belt buckle or, uh, you know, the, the epic leggings that are uh, really good for this level. And they sort of required those things. Um, that created an economy. It, cer it certainly did. And it was a good option for how WoW functioned because they weren't, they weren't trying to focus on crafting. They wanted everybody to craft and that was interesting, but they weren't trying to form an economy foundation off of that because their, their economy isn't really about putting trade goods into the world. It's about getting items out of the world, right? Like if you look at all of the decisions they've made, it's all about exiting. It's a, hey, buying on equip, buying on pickup. Um, you have to be a profession in order to, uh, uh, you know, get certain modifications. Uh, you know, you have to skill up, which means that you've got to take all of your crafting resources and, and essentially spend them on things that you're either going to throw away or disenchant or whatever. And so they've really taken that and, and focused on getting things out. Um, if you look at other games, um, they do get things out of the, the, the economy, but they, they might do it differently. Like take H1Z1, for instance, uh, you know, that, that game, a lot of stuff stays around. It breaks. Sure. Stuff breaks after time or break after time. Uh, but that is a very, a very different crafting system because they want everybody to craft and they want, they want their crafting to be essentially a core of the game, right? You go out and you say, Hey, I've got a uh, you know, I've got to make a bow. I, I got to survive. How do I make a bow? Well, uh, you know, I take my shirt off and I find a stick and I make a bow out of it. Um, and those, those also don't go into the economy, but it feels completely different. Uh, and then you have, you know, older school games like UO where stuff would eventually break. You could repair it and you know, all that sort of stuff. But that game was heavily based on crafting because everybody needed crafted gear. Right. Um, so, it, it really depends on what what you're shooting for, and I don't I don't mean for that to be kind of a, a, a cop out, but um, I, I think if you were to make a game that was a nice mix of the two, which is personally kind of where where I fall, um, you know, I, I want I want people to be able to have an interesting crafting experience, um, but at the same time, I don't necessarily want to require everybody to craft. Um, I, I think that you could have a lot of things, uh, you know, a nice mix where, Hey, you go out and you do combat and you get crafting materials and you, you know, you, you have the, uh, did you play star Wars galaxies? <laughs> so anytime <laughs> anybody talks about crafting, yes. that, that is the game that everybody up. brings up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, oh, sorry. You, nope. No, no, please. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, we're so polite. It's, it's just, it's, it's nice. I, I know. I, can't, I, I, it's weird. <laughs> that somebody else is equally as polite as I am. Yeah, we we almost just crapped out there and didn't and didn't continue. You know, uh, we could have been doing that all all night. No, uh, please, sir, you continue. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, but anyway, so it was actually a fantastic model for for crafting, in my opinion, because uh, and it was actually one of the only games that I was uh, solely a crafter, uh, and the reason being that I 
I could make an empire. I could go out and I could say, hey, adventurers, bring me resources and I will pay you handsomely for them. And then I'll take those resources, craft them and sell them back to you. And you'll pay, you'll pay me handsomely for them. Uh, and, you know, plus, plus uh, uh, all of the uh, effort and, and time spent and, and, and that sort of stuff, right? And so they, they had their economy formed where people doing one activity would get something very useful for somebody doing a completely different activity, and then they would use currency as the go-between. That might sound familiar because that's very similar to real life. Uh, <laughs> and, and so that was, you know, I, I think that worked out very well for them. And, and there was, there was true knowledge to learn in that game, which, which resources were the best to make, which pieces of armor there was experimentation, all sorts of stuff like that. And so that was, that was a game that I, in my opinion, walked a nice line of, yeah, everybody can craft. And it wasn't that hard to scale up your crafting. Um, but you know, not necessarily everybody uh, would understand all of the components or, or anything like that. And and um, the way they did it allowed both people to feel like they had a, a you know a vital impact on the creation of uh, uh, of armor and and weaponry and stuff like that. And um, whenever you have you know everybody wanting uh, stuff. Uh, and, and using things, you, you know, you start to really form a nice, a nice economy. Uh, so I, I think their approach was, was pretty solid, uh, in that regard. So, all right. Interesting stuff. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a bit about, um, balancing for different game types. You've worked on MMOs pretty much your entire career. Um, yeah. so PVE versus PVP, mm-hmm. uh, where do you start? Do you separate them? Do you add an extra stat for PvP? Do you keep them the same and just kind of balance for both? What do you think is the ideal approach to something like that? So my my ideal personally is keep them as similar as possible. Um, this rarely actually happens though, uh, because if people, ever, yeah. if ever, yeah, um, because I think often. Um, so it's hard to say because I, you know, I haven't been everywhere, obviously. So I don't know why things happen in certain places. But I can tell you from my experience, uh, you know, if they're not the same, uh, it's often because one was prioritized over the other as far as scheduling and stuff goes. Right? You're like, hey, this this is a PVE game. Well, it's a PVE game. Let's make PVE feel cool. That seems like a fair, a fair, uh, you know, decision to make. And then somewhere along the way, you're like, hey, oh, hey, we have to put PVP in. Yep. Well, now it's time to do PVP, but PVP has totally different goals than PVE does in 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 a lot of in a lot of games, right? Um, and so I think keeping them as similarly as, as similar as possible and knowing what your priorities are initially, which is not as easy as it sounds, uh, you know, but knowing what your priorities are initially will really help with you know balancing them in the end. Because if you're okay saying, hey, you know, PVE and PVP are totally different ball games. Um, that's, that's totally fine. Keep that in mind and you can, you can build that system. Uh, but it makes sense to me to sort of build them up together because when you PVE and PVP are often very polarizing, right? You have people that are like, I'm a PVP -er. You're, you're, you're a Care Bear PVE or whatever, right? And then you have people that are like PVE is, is the way to go. And PVP people just want to you know, troll other people, right? And so they can often be polarizing, but it seems weird because they're both using the same or very similar combat systems. And so why, you know, why aside from, you know, actually killing somebody's character, um, 
are they so divergent? You know, I, I would I would suggest that you know try and make them as, as similar as possible, and you'll get the maximum amount of exposure to both systems because you take all the people that play PVE and you say, hey, you guys know the mechanic for PvP. Why don't you jump in there and play it? And you take the people that really like PvP and you say, hey, why don't you guys jump into PvE? You know? Right. Um, historically, though, a lot of games have really been PvE and then branched off and allowed people to PvP sort of as a side activity. I'm sorry, MMOs. We're not. We're talking mostly MMOs. Um, and so that's that's often why they're balanced separately. Um, is because PvP is sort of the you know the second class citizen to PVE and and when when you do that you you know you really you essentially create two different systems and and you'd be surprised the kind of crazy things that you know I personally had to jump through and or and and that I've heard people you know have to jump through to make PvP work in a PVE only game uh, and so developing them from the beginning and having as little divergence as possible is good but that's not to say that you know. You, you do what you have to and and um, in order to meet your meet your goals and 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 hit what you're what you're trying to aim at. Uh, and so if there needs to be changes, you you make the changes uh, as long as it's fun. So right. So I also wanted to talk to you about the differences between progression in PvE, PvP, and dungeons um, or if or if you think there needs to be somewhat of a difference because mm-hmm. I, I think there are some people that, you know, given the opportunity, they would, level up specifically in one of those things, right? Like I, I, for example, I like all three of them and I like jumping in and I like doing PVP and I love doing dungeons and I like doing quests and stuff like that too. Mm-hmm. But then there are people that are saying, you know, I'm strictly dungeons. Everything else is shit. Don't, don't, I don't want to go near it. Um, yeah. so how do you make progression systems for each one of those things feel like it's awesome and then also feel like it's uh, <laughs> equally as great on the progression front because it's it's weird because i think you know just personally speaking i think on the pve side you see a lot more stuff right mm-hmm. it's you know if you were to level up entirely through pve content versus entirely through pvp um you know it's that's a different experience so how do you make progression feel awesome in different sorts of gameplay so that's that's a, a that's a very interesting question. So it, it depends it depends what you're looking for with progression. So the reason I say that is is that we uh, uh, I'll mention uh, EQN again. Uh, in EQN we we want people to experience a real a real growth of character and of of the player behind the keyboard. So what I mean by that is hey you you know your character. He has the hero's journey, right? You start out and you're like, I started out and I didn't, you know, I had like this broken sword and, and like a a loincloth and I went out into the world and I fought stuff. And now I'm, you know, I'm a King barbarian and I've got this ridiculous sword and I've got all this awesome armor and look what I've done. Right. So there's some progression there. And then there's also the progression of the guy behind the keyboard or the, you know, or the gal behind the keyboard. And, and you, you, you look at that and you say, Hey, how how did you grow? And I, I think kind of those those speak to not completely different audiences, but uh, you know I would venture to guess that many PVPers are are very interested in you know growing them them themselves, growing their skill in PVP and that sort of stuff because often you hear you hear cries of well we we need an even footing so that we can fight appropriately and we have you know that's sort of a balance thing right if, if somebody's overpowered then it's not a fair fight and pvp is all about you know 
bragging rights and dominating and, and stuff like that. Like I, I destroyed you. And, um, you know, if somebody's like, well, it wasn't fair, then it takes away from what, what makes, what's their driving force, you know? Um, and so I guess what all of that comes down to is that you have to, ideally you can, you can mix them. Right. And I, I think that in a lot of cases, and this might sound like, like, like blasphemy, I don't know. Um, but in a lot of cases, things like stats, and, and stuff like that really aren't uh, achieving the, um, the purpose. Uh, the, I think they're doing more harm than good in, in a lot of cases, right? Because you look at it and you say, hey, well, what, what do stats do? Stats fulfill one of those things. They say, I am on my hero's journey. Uh, I would make an argument that that's not a very interesting journey uh, to go from one strength to 500 strength. Uh, you know, but that, that's maybe a longer conversation, uh, you know, but, but that's, that's essentially what they do is they, they force you down the hero's path. They go, oh, you got 500 strength now. Congratulations. You're, you know, you're a King Barbarian. Um, and then things for PVP, oh, I've improved my skill. I've gotten better, but that's unfortunately not super tangible, right? Now, maybe I, I, I'm amazing and I step away and, and, um, you know, I come back a month later and I don't feel so amazing anymore. And so you don't feel like you really got anywhere. Um, well, so the, the interesting thing to the points that you're bringing up, um, mm -hmm. did you play destiny at all? Uh, destiny. I no, I recently downloaded it, but I've been playing uh, other games lately. I, I would like to play it, but there's yeah. only so much time. How dare you? So <laughs> I, the, I know <laughs> here's, here's the interesting thing I started noticing. Uh, so originally halo comes out, right? Mm -hmm. And halo there is no progression in that game. It is skill-based. It is, yep. I, I'm figuring out how a battle rifle works. I'm figuring out how grenades work. And then over time, my skill as a player becomes better. And then I, I feel better because now I can kill people faster and I'm becoming more optimal as a player. Yay for mm -hmm. me. Um, you start to see more progression in, in specifically in the Halo uh, region, but in Destiny specifically, they started mm -hmm. grabbing a lot more MMO things. Yep. And... Um, so one of the things that, so for what it's worth, I played that game like crazy. Uh, I thought it was a fun game, but mm -hmm. they, they had some, I felt some progression issues. And one of the, one of the things that um, I found to be kind of frustrating was when I was playing through the game, uh, I was leveling up and I was like, okay, this is cool. Um, but you know, I like PVP more than I like doing these, uh, these missions that they're sending me out on, like, go shoot 50 guys in the head. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm like, well, okay, I guess. And the only way that I was really going to get progression was by doing the things that they were telling me specifically to do. Mm -hmm. Now, when I did the PVP stuff, I wasn't really progressing as much because that's not where they were hoping that you would get that XP from. So uh -huh. really, I had to grind like crazy to get that sort of progression. And the mm -hmm. weird thing was, if they didn't have that, th that um, forcing me into something that I didn't want to do, or specifically, I wasn't getting rewarded for doing the thing that I like to do. I probably mm. would have played that game longer. It's the yep. dumbest thing. Like, I see that as as somebody who's made games and, and understands yep. how they're made. But, and like, I, you know, I'd played many first, but like, I mean, Counter-Strike, right? I mm -hmm. played Counter-Strike for a ridiculous amount of years. Mm -hmm. No progression in that, right? Yeah. But the second that you start saying like, well, you can't progress in this sort of way, even if it's over something stupid, like it's, it's just numbers, like on a screen, mm -hmm. it stopped me from playing that game. The weirdest mm -hmm. thing to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, so kind of, kind of what I was saying, it, it really, it really speaks to this point. And it, 
I guess I'll, I'll get to the conclusion of what I was saying. That'll probably be helpful. Huh? Uh, but <laughs> it, it, it's not, you notice that they have different goals, that the different areas and, and you try and look at the, the player groups and you, you can't, you can't obviously just pigeonhole, you know, all PVEers like stats and all PVPers like skill, right? Like you can't do that because that's not accurate, but you know, you, you can say, Hey, we, these are two things that people really like being rewarded with. Well, let's, let's try and reward both of the categories in both of the activities and allow them to pick which kind of whichever one they want to do. Um, and the reason I brought up the stat based stuff is because I, I think oftentimes stats are, are a detriment, but you, you still, in my opinion, um, should do the hero's journey bit, but maybe not with stats. And and so I don't I don't, I'm don't, in, don't mean on uh, you know plugging uh, EQN or anything, but that that's that's a, uh, something that's been weighing on our minds as we've discussed making this game. And you know our, our solution is is the horizontal thing is hey we want to give you more options, right? We want to say hey you you're more powerful because you're more knowledgeable you have more options at your disposal and you you know how to better use those options and so um in a game like magic the gathering do you play magic at all i'm, I'm a huge magic nerd uh i'm not you're not, uh, you're, not you're not a loser he, like me he, no <laughs> I, I remember you and many of the people that were on the econ team uh yeah. over at carbine were huge mm-hmm. magic nerds uh, i played it when i was in junior high for yeah. like maybe a month yeah. And then everybody else that was playing with me was they just fell off, and so then I yeah, did consequently as well. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, anyway, the, no, the I don't. Of, but thirteen-year-old boys, you know, uh, what are you gonna but, do? But yeah, so what that game is all about uh, is options, right? You say, hey, I'm going to build a deck, and some people net deck, and some people like building decks, and there's you know many different formats for people to uh, you know figure out what they kind of what they like to do. But the the main principle is hey, everybody has the same options available to them. They have to go out and get them and then figure out how to use them best. A person with a small collection doesn't have as many options um, as a person with a larger collection. And oftentimes, they won't be be able to be as good um, because they aren't able to go out and, and, and figure out and, and play with all the options and see what really works best for them. And so the, the idea... Uh, that we, that we're kind of uh, you know uh, looking at is well you can you essentially can be more powerful by having more options and you can be more skillful um, by not only your mechanics of hey I swung my sword at the right time but more skillful in how you use those options hey which option are you going to use I'm going to bring this ability instead of this ability. And I'm going to do, you know, when that guy does this thing, I'm going to do this thing. And so, you know, if, if you reward in similar manners, Hey, uh, you can play PVE and get this ability and you can play PVP and maybe get the same ability. Um, you know, as long as they feel like they both require the same, uh, amount of, or roughly the same amount of work, I think that's a fine way to do it. And that way you're not you can keep your mechanics very similar between the two systems and you can uh, reward them in, in multiple ways by, you know, via skill and, and via the, the, the hero's journey sort of thing um, and come out hopefully with people feeling fulfilled by doing either activity or both. So that's, that's the hope at least. Um, and, did, you, and kind of uh, did you ever play the uh, Arkham Asylum series? 
Uh, I did not actually. Uh, I hear that I should though. You so you absolutely should. It's one of my uh, favorite games out there. It's a it's a really solid uh, experience, mm-hmm. and the new one looks amazing. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But one of the things that that I loved in that game, they had these combat scenarios um, where they would pit you against you know 25 guys. It's, mm-hmm. it's you Batman against 25 dudes, mm-hmm. and they give you all these different options as you progress through the game. You know, it's it's the typical Metroidvania thing, right? You. Mm-hmm. You run around, you eventually find new abilities. These new abilities will allow you to do different things and access new areas. Yep. But, but with combat, it gives you this option to kind of now go, okay, well, now I have a rope that goes around three guys' legs and it trips them. And now I have another ability that will allow me to jump over a guy and stun him as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And you get to this point of where you're playing the game and where you mess up and you go, damn, it's because I didn't use my skills that I've unlocked yeah. effectively. Yep. As opposed to, you know, oh, I, I can't progress because the numbers that I have are not big enough. No, exactly. And and I ultimately I found the the gear check to be a very frustrating thing. You're like, oh, I go through a game and I can't beat this guy because my numbers aren't high enough. Uh, that that to me is not very enjoyable. And I, I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying people that like that are dumb or anything, because I think it's just. It's just different things, right? People like different stuff. Um, but for me, I like I like having the options. I like, you know, not having to 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 crunch those numbers and do all that sort of stuff. I, I crunch enough numbers at, at work that I don't necessarily want to to do the same. Uh, you know, but theory, theory crafting is fantastic and it's super cool. Um, but for me and, and the video games I like to play, that's that's not necessarily what I want to do. I actually will go and find other people that, that do that. Uh, but another game that, that is that is similar to what you're saying. Have you played Dark Souls or any of those sorts of games? Oh, dude, come on, playing Bloodborne right now. It's good stuff. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So um, I recently just started up Dark Souls, and it's very similar. But you know, they do have progression. But you can progress. You can progress pretty much most things. Um, but you know, I recently started up a thief, and a lot of the forums are like, yeah, you just you keep your starting weapon. And you just use that, you just upgrade it, and it's great. And the reason they can do that is because all of their weapons and armor and stuff, they present new options to the player, not necessarily more stats. Like, you might get a two-handed sword that does a crazy amount of damages, but is also very slow when when compared to, you know, the dagger that does little damage but is very fast. Well, they're they're balanced against each other, but you have to determine what you like for your play style, maybe what's right for the situation. And, uh, you know, that game very much so you look at it and you're like, oh, I failed because of this. I need to get better or I need to, you know, adjust my build in this manner or I hear there's a weapon that will allow me to do the thing I want to do. I want to go get it. Well, and that's, so that's, that's what's that's what's yeah. great about the Souls games and mm-hmm. and Bloodborne specifically in general, uh, where they they kind of go, okay, um, we're going to give you a lot of stuff that is challenging, but you should be able to navigate through it. And the the enemies they they have like three attacks on them, and you know what those attacks are, but sometimes you get a little antsy and you're like, well, I'm just going to power through this. <laughs> but then they smash you anyway, right? And then you're like, go, oh, that was my fault. I knew mm-hmm. that they were going to do the the one two three attack, but I thought I was going to get it off anyway. I love that sort of that sort of design where it's it it is the player's responsibility to figure that stuff out. No, exactly. I mean, I, I think I think that sort of system really fulfills both the 
you know, rewards the the player behind the keyboard and also gives you the hero's journey because you go, hey, look, I made it to the end of the game or very far and I went to this place under some dungeon and I got this awesome item. I got the sword and the stone, right? And that's going to be great because it fits into this build or this, you know, I have the perfect scenario for this. And, you know, that, that feels good and you feel like, man, look at all these, you know, at the end of the game, you're scrolling through your hundred weapons and you're like, I did all that. That's totally awesome. And it, and it, it feels like each one of those is a meaningful reward. And that is much different than saying, oh, I got, I got plus 10 strength. And then when the next raid comes out, I get plus 20 strength. Right. Um, so I, I enjoy that sort of approach um, for, for the, you know, for, for rewarding people and, and having people deal with both PVP and PVE. So right hopefully on. that, that answered your question in like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a lengthy answer, but you know what? It was well worth it. That was interesting stuff. Uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and then we're going to get to community questions. Oh then, yeah. Yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be good stuff. Awesome. Uh, so I'd like to know from you, sir, uh, what are the most challenging system design problems that you face in MMOs? Wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, Lately, it feels like everything. Uh, But so currently, uh, you know, working on Landmark and and NEQN, there's a lot of there's a lot of very challenging technical hurdles. Um, You know, I don't I don't know if if you're looking at for anything more vague, but I'll I'll give you some specific answers Um, in in Landmark, particularly uh, it, it is it is sort of a new style of game. And, and we're trying out a lot of new tech and you have to start thinking about, well, hey, if somebody can destroy anywhere in the world, what does that mean for level design? Well, all right, level design's cool, but what do we do with um, random uh, terrain generation? You know, how does that fit into level design? How, you know, how does, all right, now you've got NPCs with AI that are, that, that in theory have their wants and needs. Well, how are they going to deal with a partially level design, partially randomly generated terrain, and then how can they develop tactics against players who will be looking to exploit those things in a in a in a totally legal way, not a you know we're exploiting them and getting things stuck, but in a way that's like, well, how can an NPC deal with if a player summons a wall that he can stand on top of and shoot, <laughs> you know, um, and so there have been a lot of very interesting things that come out of that. And I think uh, if I'm, I'm going to boil it down to a bit more generic uh, of an answer, but it, it is when you're trying to push into the relatively unknown, um, that stuff is relatively unknown and you don't have the answers and you really do have to just sit around and iterate and, and prototype and, and hypothesize and, and, you know, really figure out, well, what, what is this unknown territory I'm getting into? And then from that point, you have to say, is it a good idea to go there? Uh, you know, is it a good idea to say, hey, oh man, let's get all the NPCs, you know, destroying terrain and summoning up rocks and, and you know, outsmarting players and, and all that sort of stuff. And in some cases, yes. And in some cases, no, uh, you know, no, it's not. But uh, that's been kind of the most challenging thing is, is really looking to push the envelope and, um, you know, hope you don't destroy everything in the process, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys, you guys are a little bit different, I think from the, the traditional sort of MMO thing. So that's, there's gotta be a lot of interesting 
problems and things to deal with as a result of that. Yeah, it's it's hilarious because frequently, so we have a pretty open office environment, and and frequently we'll do something, and you know it'll 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 be in the game for a day or two, you know, on our on our main on our on our uh, internal server, and uh, you know we'll hear somebody just just you know like throw out uh, a curse word or whatever and be like, oh I can't, oh man, yep. Nope, that that's going to be broken. Um, yeah, we have to we have to fix that. No, well, we've never dealt with that sort of problem before, you know. And and that that just happens all the time when you're when you're trying to do new things. Um, and then uh, I would say when you are trying to do new things, it's very difficult uh, sometimes to, you know, not include some of the old things that you know some of the old standbys right like uh, like i mentioned you know maybe stats aren't so good maybe they are good right like how do you determine that without investing your limited time and resources into completely trying it out right because you might find yourself in a situation where you're like oh we spent two months trying to figure out if we really liked stats and it turns out we do <laughs> so now <laughs> we got to go put them back you know right. so it's it's that kind of challenge that that is is hard but also enjoyable i mean that's that's part of the thing that, that keeps it exciting and fresh so so uh tell me i've got a two-part question here what's mm-hmm. what's your favorite system that you've worked on and then what's your least favorite my favorite system um yeah interesting um listen i love i love all my babies but uh no <laughs> which no, one do you love the most which one do man? i love most exactly uh Wow. That's a very interesting question. So I would say, uh, there, there are a couple different ones that I, that I really am fond of, um, for different reasons. And I'll, I'll try and explain those. Um, early on in my, in my, uh, uh career, I worked, worked on, uh, classes for Vanguard Saga of Heroes, which sadly is no longer around, but, uh, I, I worked on classes and I did a couple classes that I really enjoyed. And my goal with them was to, change change the way that people healed that they viewed healing in mmos right and so um that may sound not super innovative now but i thought it was pretty cool back then and remember this was like eight or so years ago so a lot of it was you know uh, holy trinity and stuff like that and so i created uh, uh uh the blood mage and the disciple and they you know they healed through being aggressive and getting in fights and you know redistributing health and stuff like that and i thought that was a lot of fun and i uh you know i've, I've been proud of of a lot of the work that we did there it wasn't just me it was it was a bunch of people but uh you know a lot of the work we did there was was pretty awesome um, to be honest, I'm, I'm really proud of a lot of the work we've done with, uh, with landmark and, uh, things, you know, like I was saying a moment ago, it, it's been extremely challenging and, and, you know, maybe we haven't done everything right, but, uh, you know, it's been, it's been an awesome journey saying, Hey, how do we make this crazy new thing? And then how do we, you know, how do we use that to, you know, make EQN, uh, so I, I think, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the combat stuff, even though it's not necessarily in the state that we, that we want it to be in, um, you know, it's, it's really forming the foundation for EQN and, uh, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that we were able to, uh, you know, essentially develop two games at, at one time. And, uh, you know, while one of them is live, uh, has been a really, a really challenging and, and rewarding process. Uh, and at times, you know, it's discouraging because you're like, ah, uh, 
it's not it's not where we want it to be you know we 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 got to get it there how do we get it there and and um you know that that can be discouraging at times but also uh, when you figure out how to get it there or you figure out how to move on to the next step you know that's that's super rewarding and so uh, those are a couple examples of things that i've i've really liked or, or been proud of all right so my, conversely my least favorite your least favorite <laughs> this is this also goes back to my vanguard days so uh <laughs> Man, do I want to admit this? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll do it. We'll, do we'll, it. We'll get, we'll get crazy, right? So uh, <laughs> when I uh, when I first joined uh, uh, Vanguard and and it was my first thing, is they came up to me and they're like, "Hey, welcome to the team. Would you like to work on harvesting?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know that's uh, that's great. You know, uh, thank you. I'll work on whatever you want me to." Uh, <laughs> so I started working on harvesting, and, and the initial iteration of harvesting. Uh, was something that sort of sort of haunts me to this day, and it was, it was uh, although it was actually the springboard into my uh, my my class design and, and combat design uh, career. But uh, I designed a a harvesting system that was essentially combat with trees and plants, <laughs> um, and uh, you know you'd go up and you'd hit a tree, and and the tree would you know, cast, essentially cast an ability on you that was like, oh, it's a, it's, you hit a beehive, right? And you start losing health and, you know, you got hit by like a sap deluge or whatever. And so, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the old so, sap deluge, I know it's, it's rough. It's, you get, you get yourself into a, uh, into sticky situations that way, but hey, so, so it's so bad. No, oh, uh, man, had to work in help. one dad joke, didn't help. you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, you had, you had to see that coming, but, uh, so, you know, you go in and, and it was essentially combat with trees, but trees aren't known for their ability to fight back. Um, but you could die and all sorts of stuff like that. And, um, I've really grown as a designer since then. Uh, uh but that's unless, part of the, by the way, unless they're those trees from like Lord of the Rings that are like, I have been here <laughs> for 14,000 years. You man, know, those kind of guys. That's, that's a pretty good tree beard or whatever you, uh, Thanks, man should get into that but yeah it it was it was bad we fixed it we fixed it but uh but you know what though i i would say that look <laughs> you're just starting out everybody makes terrible decisions look i i just talked last podcast i worked on a game called major league eating the game awful game oh that sounds fantastic full of terrible terrible design ideas lots of them but you know what you learn from things i'm gonna look that up no. You should. It was on WiiWare. And apparently now it's also a, um iPhone app. I think they took the game and put it on the iPhone as well. So, Well, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll download that. You shouldn't. <laughs> Do not. It's not I'm, good. I'm sort of a, a mini version of Major League Eating. I have a, a dessert addiction that I, uh, I indulge in. Uh, so I'm a Major League ice cream eater. That's fantastic, Michael, man. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what to do with that. I got nothing, you know? <laughs> I, can't, I can't go anywhere with that. Uh, so with that, let's go into community questions. Sure. Uh, so this first one is from Arwen, uh, okay. Australia gal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you guys do to prep for a large volume of players coming into a game? So we, uh, we, we do a lot of stuff, right? Like on, on the design side, we actually do a lot less than maybe the tech side would. Uh, because generally our systems scale or they should, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we like to build stuff so that, 
you know, hey, if you go in uh, and there's a ton of people, you know, going into a hub and and, uh, you know, we need to disperse them and we need to get them out and and doing interesting things. Yet we want some of them to stay together, you know. So uh, a lot of the systems should handle those sorts of things happening. And so it's not really a build up to having a lot of people. It's just sort of we have to consider a lot of people um, in our designs. And that's just a kind of a daily thing, to be honest. Um, though there are quite a few surprises when, you know, we, we miss something and we're like, oh, you know, you, you put a million people doing this or, you know, a thousand people or whatever it is, 20 people even sometimes, uh, you know, oh, I guess we didn't see that and we, you know, we need to adjust it. Um, a lot of the technical stuff though, uh, there's a lot of technical things that happen. You know, you have to get the proper hardware. You have to, um, you know, do, do low testing. You have to figure out like a latency. And I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a, a tech, tech director or anything, so I can't speak to all of it, but I do know that, um, you know, there's a significant amount of work going into the, the infrastructure, uh, to get a lot of people in. Um, and then uh, again, on our side, uh, we, this is kind of a general thing, but we do a substantial amount of testing and, 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 you know, kind of making sure, uh, that when players do see it, uh, no matter how many, that we, uh, you know, we're, we're ready for it and we're ready to adjust. Uh, and then there's the, of course, the social aspect uh, of MMOs that we have to consider. And we, we say, Hey, how, how are we going to take all these people and make it cool that there's all these people, you know, like we don't want them to just dump them all in a game and not allow them to be social. Uh, because that's one of the, that's one of the pillars of an MMO, uh, or should be, uh, that, you know, you're playing with other people. Let, how do you make that cool? And so th- those are some of the considerations for having lots of people. Gotcha. Uh, so this one was from Fugazi. That mm-hmm. guy, by the way, holy moly, asked a lot of questions. <laughs> He's enthusiastic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he gave me like 900 <laughs> questions. I'm only going to pick one of the 900, oh. and I apologize, Fugazi. Uh, but, you know, we gotta we got to make it quick on time here. Um, so how much, how much skill ceiling variance will we see among classes in EQ next? So it's, I don't think that uh, uh, it's really a skill ceiling between classes. Like if, if you're looking at it sort of, it, it touches on something I mentioned earlier and that's, we can't, we can't really, if, if you're requiring skill for something, uh, you must, you should reward skill with power, right? So you say, hey, you're really skillful and you did this thing you did it very well and you got a really good benefit from that, right? You timed your attack perfectly, therefore you did bonus damage. Um, That becomes sort of a balance question because if you say one class has a higher skill cap than another, in theory, if you're rewarding commensurate with skill, you are then saying one class has a higher, you know, uh, output potential. You're saying, hey, uh, that, that guy is really hard to play. Therefore he's really powerful, but this guy is not hard to play. And so he is very, he's not very powerful. Um, so in, in theory, we wouldn't do that on the class level, but we would do that on the, um, we want a pretty high skill ceiling, uh, for, for EQN, but it's something that we would like people to sort of self-select is kind of the term I've been using. I go in and I say, hey, I want to I want to challenge myself. I'm going to do it like this. Right. And if you do it like that uh, or some special way, you know, and, and prove your skill in some manner, you will be rewarded based on how amazing you are. Um, and so it's not really per class. It's more of a. Uh, you know, per person or per group of people and then and allowing players to demonstrate 
uh, how skillful they are and then rewarding them accordingly. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Awesome. Uh, and hopefully that was uh, that was a good answer for Fugazi. Hopefully there. that works out. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he, he can he can he can let me know. We'll uh, we chat about it. There we go. Uh, and then lastly, from the community questions, uh, mm-hmm. I believe this is somebody you work with. Oh. Why are you required to use a <laughs> sign indicating whether you are trolling or not? And this is from Justin Dazit. Dazit. Yeah, Dazit. So Dazit. he actually sits across from me, uh, you mm. know, and and frequently will ask me to use the sign. And it's kind of funny back. When we worked together, the sign was crafted um, and yeah, handed you, to me. I, I'm familiar with this <laughs> subject matter. This is why I wanted to bring this up. Uh, yeah, just for everybody fantastic. out there, Michael Mann has a face sometimes where he will say something, and you just you can't tell if he's trolling or not. Yeah, it's that's just that's that's how I always am. And actually, so I was on a a, a live stream the other week with a, a, a coworker uh, and friend, uh, Josh Augustine. And, uh, we were talking and somebody had asked a question in Twitch and they were like, Hey, how, you know, how are you going to make it so that people don't feel if you make big cities that people don't feel tiny and, and with a completely straight face. And, and I just looked at him and I was like, well, we're going to make their characters bigger and he, trolling or like, not trolling. Yeah. He, he looked at me and, and was like stunned. Right. He was like, well, I, he didn't know what to say. And so like, like I let him sit on it for like, 15 seconds on air. Maybe I shouldn't have, you know, that's kind of cruel. Uh, you know, but then I was like, I'm just joking. And then went on. Um, and so that's actually why I have to have the sign because, um, I do a lot of, uh, conversing and, and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, we'll call it guiding, uh, of the team. And, uh, I have a hard time separating that troll, um, tendencies, <laughs> when the doing sign, by things. the way, the sign was literally it was like a ping pong paddle, and then it mm-hmm. had the troll guy face, you know, like the lower jaw yep. extending out with the ridiculous smile, and you know the terribly drawn troll guy, and then on the other side, it was just that other. What was I don't even know what that it means. Was the, it was the same thing, but with a big X through it. So that right. was when I was not trolling. Right. Um, so basically, serious, not serious, and so uh, it got to be a joke where where people were like. Ser- serious not not serious like people would harass me in the halls if i did not have my sign with me um oh well there you go that's yeah it. so all right <laughs> uh there we go that's that's a good answer for that one uh justin thanks for the question mm-hmm. well, uh michael man it's been over an hour we try oh. to keep these to an hour if, if at most you know it was great talking with you good sir oh, um so anything else you want to plug? I know you're working on the EQ next. Is there anything else you want to tell people about to go check out? Yeah, I mean, um, working on EQ next and, and landmark and we're, uh, we're getting ready to do a giant update for landmark and, and, uh, white characters and, and claims and stuff. And so, uh, there've been a lot of big changes and it's, uh, it's looking pretty good. So I'm, if you can check it out, check it out. It's pretty cool. Fantastic, sir. Thank you so much for your time. It's great talking with you. And uh, thank you guys for checking out the show. You can check us out on patreon.com backslash Stephen Frost and or check me out on iTunes uh, under Game Devastation or Podbean or all over the place. Anyway, thanks for checking out the show. Adios, guys. All right, cool, man. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Hopefully, Good times. Hopefully that wasn't too painful for you. 
No, it's not bad. The the one part where I totally forgot what I was responding to was pretty hilarious. But I'm keeping just, that in, by the just way. Just leave that in, dude. Yeah, yeah. no, it, that crap happens. So yeah. that's uh, that's fine. <laughs> I think we uh, we recovered in a comedic way. So that's. <laughs> no, it's fine. That that'll be uh, that'll be humorous. I'm sure yeah, yeah. somebody will post about that. Yeah, we, uh, we forgot the laugh off, but uh, you can. Oh, you, that's true. You can just compile a series of uh, of of laughs throughout the uh, the thing, and that'll be good times. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> see, I'll just take those laughs, and then I'll just do one. I'll just record one after me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, dude, somebody somebody was like, "Hey, has anybody ever told you you look like a Muppet?" And I was like, I was like, well, that's that's kind of offensive, but yeah. <laughs> like, there was this guy, his name was Frost. No, <laughs> dude, see, look, I, it's not just me, man. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I was like, well, what Muppet do I look like? And they're like, I don't know, I don't I, know. Maybe. I don't know that there is a famous Muppet that you look like. It's just you mm-hmm. kind of look like one. Yeah, I just look like, and and the fact that I laugh with my mouth open and do like the the that thing, I think is, is yeah the the Kermit the thro- the frog throwback. No, exactly. Yeah, you know? I can't uh, contain the joy, man. You know what do you want? Hey, um, more power <laughs> to you, man. Just yeah, keep keep it up. 